techniques than to correct any problem that the plane might have. The pilots actually have confidence. Today, our world is going through a lot of turbulence. And because of that turbulence, uh, some folks, uh, they think the wings are about to fall off. But as Christians, we have confidence because we know the pilot. Jesus is our pilot. So this morning I ask you, what would our pilot say to us during this coronavirus crisis? I believe he would say exactly the same words that he said to those disciples there in John 14. In John 14, verse 27, the end of verse 27 is basically a repeat of verse 1. Verse 1 and verse 27 serve as, uh, as bookends to the message that Jesus will share with those disciples. And in verse 1, he says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God? Believe also in me. He's speaking to a group of followers who were going to go through a pretty turbulent time in their lives. They would see their teacher, the one that they had depended on for, uh, for about three years. They would see him put on trial and then crucified and buried. So he speaks these words of encouragement to them in between those two bookends. Let's look at verse 2. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I would go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself. That where I am, you may be also. And you know, you know the way to where I am going. Thomas, good old doubting Thomas. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. Uh, how, how can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is borrowing something that they were very accustomed to. In their culture, when a man wanted to marry a young woman, that man and his father would go to the home of the, uh, of the young lady and they would talk to the father of the woman, and they would negotiate a, a bridal price. And after that price had been negotiated and agreed to, they were looked upon as being promised to, to each other. But they would not start living as man and wife at that moment. No, uh, the man would go back to his father's home, and he would start preparing a home. For his bride. He would start building and preparing a home for his bride. And, and when his father was satisfied that he was prepared, the father would send the, uh, the young man, and he would also have his bridal party with him 
uh, and they would go to the home of that young lady and, and she would come out and they would then proceed to go back to, uh, to his new home. They would have the wedding, they would have the celebration, and that's where they would live. Jesus is saying, I'm going away, yes, but you're promised to me, I'm promised to you, and, and I'm going to prepare a place for you. So that when I'm ready, I'll come and get you. When the Father is ready, I will come and get you and take you there with me. Jesus is saying, look ahead. Look ahead to the place that Jesus is preparing for you and for me. Bob Goff. Bob Goff had a dream. He wanted to sail from California to Hawaii. It's been one of his dreams for most of his adult life. So one time he entered the race that would go from Los Angeles to Hawaii. He entered that race. Trouble is, Bob didn't know a whole lot about sailing. So when the race started, Bob quickly fell behind. And he zigzagged and, and he struggled and, and all... And he finally arrived. He came into the marina close to, uh, to Diamond Head there in Hawaii. But he came in several days after the first sailboat had won the race. And the announcer just happened to be in the booth that moment. Uh, he had went back to the booth to, uh, to collect some papers. And he noticed that one last boat crossing the finish line. So in his booming bass voice, and he turned up the volume on the loudspeaker, he said, friend, friend, it's been a long trip. Welcome home. Bob so much appreciated that. Heaven is going to be a lot like that, but only for those who believe. Go back to verse 1. You believe in God, believe also in me. In the book of John, as we have discovered in the uh, online study, A New Day, A New You, in the book of John, the word faith, belief, believing, is always a verb signifying action. When we believe, we will act. We call that obedience. One day... We'll hear that message. Friend, it's been a long trip. Welcome home. Look ahead to the place that Jesus is preparing for you. Don't be so concerned about this world. Be more concerned about the eternal world. And then second, Jesus is saying, look up. Look up in prayer. Let's continue. Verse 7. Jesus said, if you had known me, you would have known my Father also. In other words, me and the Father, God the Father, God the Son, we are mere images of each other. You know me, you know God. From now on, you do know Him, and you have seen Him, because you've seen me. Philip said to him, Lord... Uh, uh, show us the Father and it'll be enough. It's enough for us. Just show us the Father. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? 
Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? We know God because we know Jesus. And we look up in prayer to Him. We look up in prayer to God the Father. And let's continue verse 10. Notice the key word believe. Do you not believe, circle that word believe, that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does His works. Believe, circle that word believe, believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or else believe, circle the word believe, on account of the works themselves. Truly, truly, that's to bring emphasis. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes, friend, do you believe? Whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do and greater. In just a moment, I'll explain that. And greater works than these will he do. Because I'm going to the Father. Prayer is the key here. But you must pray in faith. You must believe that He's going to answer. You must believe that He is with you. Four times in just three verses, Jesus encourages us to believe. And He says, we're going to do greater things. In John 6, verse 38 through 40, Jesus states that He came to give eternal life to all who believe and obey. Now in Acts chapter 1, in verse 15, we know how many, we know how many people at that moment had been convinced. We know how many people believed. 120 people. Jesus had worked for slightly over three years, and only produce 120 believers. But what happens in Acts 2? When Peter stands up and he proclaims with the other apostles that great first sermon of the church, about 3,000 believe and obey. Greater things. Jesus prepared us so that we, you and I, can do greater things. So Jesus would say to us today, Friend, is your heart troubled? Are you discouraged? Well, get on your knees and ask God to use you to bring someone to faith in me. Right now, we have two easy ways to do this. Let me explain. The online Bible classes that Billy, who's been doing an awesome job on, and myself are doing, we have had as few as about 300 people to watch a class, and we've had as many, believe it or not, almost 1,000 people from around the world. Two things you can do. One is you can share each one of those classes. Because when you hit that little share, then you hit share now, you are then sharing it onto your page on Facebook. 
your friends get an opportunity to, to watch and to listen. And then the second thing is you can invite your friends to like our page and to follow our page and they'll get notifications when a class is about to be held. And it's so easy to do that. I have posted on the page the easy steps on how to do it. It'll take you about 10 seconds to do it. Can you give God 10 seconds? I hope you can. I hope you can. Fred Penny. Fred Penny in Newfoundland, Canada, back, way back in 1972. His class had decided to uh, take a, a spring break trip together and go visit some islands off the coast, some French islands off the coast of Newfoundland. But the trouble is, uh, the cost of the trip was going to be $50. And in 1950, or 1972, $50 seemed like a lot of money, so he was a little hesitant to ask his parents. He thought about going to his father, but he said, no, he, he really, he'll say no, he, I won't do that. So Fred did not go on the trip. Just two years later, his sister, their class had decided to go to the Mediterranean, to Europe, on a trip. The trip was going to cost $1,000. That daughter, Fred's sister, went to her father, asked, Dad, can I go? The dad said, yes. What? Fred had not asked. And his trip was only $50, and his sister asked, and her trip was $1,000. Now, I say that for a reason. Please, please don't limit, don't limit God when you come to Him in prayer. Don't limit God when you pray. This morning, we started the 40 days of prayer. We begun the 40 days of prayer. Why? Because we believe in prayer. This is day one. Each day we'll have a different prayer focus. This week, this week we are praying about healing. Today we're talking about healing of our land. 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. A promise from God is contained in that passage. Let me encourage you to read that passage at your convenience. 2 Chronicles 7, 14. Each night during the program, during the class, a new day, a new you, we will share the next day's prayer need. Can you picture 300, 400, 500, maybe a thousand people all coming together to pray about one particular need each day? What wonderful thing what marvelous thing will our God do if His children pray together? But when we pray, let's pray in Jesus' name. Let's continue here. Verse 13. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do. This I will do. If you ask in my name, in my will, that the Father may be glorified, in the Son, if you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. I chuckled when I read the story of 
Terry Wardell. Terry was a young man that grew up poor in what the town called the wrong side of the tracks. And he had a hand-me-down, fixed-up, repaired, big blue girl's bike. It was a girl's bike. But it was Terry's, and he was proud of it. And his mom initially only allowed him to ride it around the house, but finally she agreed to let him ride it across the bridge over to the town. So Terry got on his girl's bike and he took off for town. But as he was crossing the bridge, he saw four boys approaching him. They were a little bit older than him and certainly much bigger those four boys said, hey, where are you going? Terry said, I'm just out riding for fun. Hey, what's your name, kid? Terry was getting a little nervous because these boys were creeping closer and closer to him. Terry said, uh, my name, my name is Terry Wardell. When he mentioned that last name, those boys froze. Did you say Wardell? Are you Tom Wardell's brother? You see, Tom Wardell was the biggest, the meanest, and the baddest player on the high school football team. His tackles were legendary. Terry was scared. <laughs> So, Terry lied. Tom was actually just his cousin. But Terry said, yeah, that's my brother. That's my big brother. Do you, do you know him? Those four boys, oh, yes, we, we know him. Now, if you have any problems, you just let us know. If you have any trouble, hey, you just let us know. We were just having a little fun. Hey, you have a good day. We know the name. We know the name that makes the difference. We pray in faith and we pray in Jesus' name. It's Jesus' cure for the troubled heart. First, you look up or look ahead to the place that Jesus is preparing for you. Second, you look up in prayer to the Heavenly Father. And third, you look within to your partner. Verse 15, if you love me, if you really love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper. In the Greek language here, this word is paraclete. We're going to come back to that in just a moment. I'll give you another helper to be with you forever even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees Him or knows Him. You know Him. Hey, you know Him. For He dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. God the Spirit comes to live inside of you and me. He's called the paraclete. Alexander the Great, 
did something that no other Greek general was ever able to do. He was able to expand the influence and the kingdom of Greece from beyond their borders all the way as far as India. He introduced a lot of different new battle techniques. One was the technique of the paraclete. He would assign to each Greek soldier, a fellow soldier, they would fight in pairs. They would fight in pairs together. They would be watching out for each other's blind side. They would help each other in battle. They would protect each other and they would help each other. That was called your paraclete, your helper. Has this coronavirus made you battle weary? Well, look to your battle partner, your paraclete, God the Spirit. We have that advantage. Back in 2012, over 37 runners participated in the London Marathon. A young man from Kenya, his name was Wilson Kipsong, he won the race in a very impressive two hours, four minutes, and 44 seconds. But to me, more impressive was the race that Simone Clark ran. Now, she took over six hours to finish the race. So why, why was her race so more impressive? Because during the race, because of her health issues, she had 21 seizures and still finished the race. 21 seizures. Now, what caused her to be able to finish the race? It was her friend, Tally. Tally was running with her, and every time that Shimon would have a seizure, Tally knew what to do, how to treat it, and in a few minutes they would resume the race. You see, Shimon had a paraclete, had a race partner. In the race that we run today, we have a partner. It's God, the Spirit. It's Jesus' cure for the troubled heart. We, we look ahead to the place that Jesus has prepared. Number two, we look up in prayer to the Heavenly Father. And three, we look within to our partner, the Holy Spirit. Are you looking for peace in our troubled world? Peace is not the absence of trouble. Peace is the presence of God. Do you believe? We made mention that the word faith, belief, believing in John is always that verb. It signifies action. It signifies you need to do something. Have you become a New Testament Christian? We're not asking you to do anything different from what they did in the first century. We're asking you to believe, John 8, 24, 
to repent, Luke 13, 3, to confess Jesus, Matthew 10, 32, and to be baptized, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Now, if you have what we often call a red letter Bible, all of those verses are in red because Jesus said them. I didn't say them. Jesus said them. He said in verse 15, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. As a Christian, do we need to seek His forgiveness? Do we need to seek His forgiveness? Can, can the church pray with you and for you? Billy and I will be here waiting for you this morning. Will you respond while we stand and sing for your encouragement? Please come.